I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hacks is back for season three. And so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room on set antics and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty expressive, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? You recently visited LA and I wanted to talk a little bit about your visit. You're coming to town to come to the premiere of my new show. I love that for you. Premiering on Showtime streaming every Friday and Sundays on the Showtime channel. And so you came to the premiere and that was a really fun night. But we also had another really fun night where you were staying with me. And one night we went to dinner with our parents. We got ice cream. And then I downloaded the Pluto app so that we could watch (laughs) a show that... I believe you've seen the entire series. It came out, I think, in 2009. No longer is on the air, but again, you can find it on the Pluto app, which maybe they'll sponsor us. I feel like I'm really plugging them. And Jonah, do you want to talk about what show this was? Yeah, so this is a show. I don't know why we started talking about Steven Seagal. And I said... He's one of your childhood heroes. Well, he was someone whose movies I liked when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Tough to call him a hero, especially given his present day behavior. Kind of a flawed guy, but he has this (laughs) show where he was like, I'm not only an actor, I'm also a cop. Yeah. And he was in like, I think it's in like the New Orleans area. And it's basically it's called Steven Seagal Lawman. And it's him basically out with real cops acting like he's 
I don't know if he's an honorary cop. I don't know. Feels honorary to me. <laughs> Feels not authentic. But it's him kind of solving crimes, him with these cops, him sort of like showing them how to, you know, he'll, he'll you know, they go to target practice and he's like, let me show you. I'll help you pass this test. Basically, he sort of has all the skills kind of mastered and he's kind of like helping the community is how the show is framed. And I guess mastered according to who? Because when I was watching it as like someone new to this show, it seemed like these cops were like going out on their car rides, I guess. And Steven Seagal would be like, I'm going to come with you. And it always felt like the cop would be like kind of bummed out and they'd be like, "Okay, cool. And then like Steven Seagal from the car would be kind of like explaining like how being a cop works. And you could tell again, that the cops in the car with him were like, oh, we got to take this guy with us again. Yeah. And then I think the episode we specifically were looking for is the one where his band plays. Yes. And I think I fell asleep during it, but go ahead. Yes. Because I actually saw his band play when I lived in Cleveland and it was like Steven Seagal, I believe it's called like the Mojo Man. And it was like, he kind of can't really play guitar, but he had a really good band and he kind of just walks around and kind of plays guitar. And of course he integrates it into the show as sort of like promoting his, his music. Promoting his band and his work as a cop. Now, I want to get to our guest because he's so incredible today. But before we do, I just want to say a couple other things about Steven Seagal. One is when I worked at SNL, he was known as the worst host of all time. He was there decades before I was in the cast, but (laughs) everyone talked about how he was the all-time worst host. And a couple other things that, Jonah, you found out about Steven Seagal. I just was reading Brian Cox's memoir. Brian Cox plays the father on Succession. Succession. And his whole intro is about how you have to give yourself to every role. Brian Cox's intro, yeah. And he once worked with Steven Seagal and basically the whole intro is kind of shitting on Steven Seagal and saying (laughs) (laughs) every actor has humility except Steven Seagal but I'm such a great actor that even in this role I tried my hardest and he said Steven Seagal wouldn't like run lines with him like basically was just kind of above everything I found it that to be very funny and then I googled to see what Steven Seagal's up to and you recently I guess he's friends with Vladimir Putin and gave some comments at Vladimir Putin's 70th birthday. And this was like a month ago. (laughs) This is not, you know, this was (laughs) while all this stuff has happened to Ukraine that hasn't affected their friendship. I mean, (laughs) so a lot going on with Steven Seagal. It's so funny to me that the fact that like one of the most popular shows on TV, the star of it opens his book by talking about how much he hates Steven Seagal. And then also even crazier that he went to Vladimir Putin's 70th birthday party in his friends. Yeah, and I want to say for Brian Cox, like he works it in as like a metaphor for his artistic process. It's like, right. but yeah, so that was our trip to LA. And Vanessa, do you want to introduce today's guest who we're so excited about? Today's guest, he's nothing like Steven Seagal. <laughs> nothing like Steven Seagal. Well, maybe. <laughs> they both act. Yeah. They both act. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They've both been in a lot of films that we've seen. I never had a ponytail like Steven. Yeah. I never rocked the ponytail. Yeah, but you both kind of have, you know, get out of my face or you're in trouble vibe. Yeah, badass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could break your arm. I have a signature arm break. Jonah and I would line up to see Ass Cat shows because we'd be like, Matt's going to kick somebody's butt in this show. <laughs> Okay, so today's guest, Matt Walsh, is a comedian and actor best known for his role, Mike McClintock in Veep, for which he received two Primetime Emmy Award nominations. He's a founding member of Upright Citizens Brigade sketch comedy troupe, which he co-starred in the original television series and the 2015 reboot. You've also seen him in films such as Road Trip, Old School, The Do-Over, and many more. And you can see him along with Eva Longoria in the newly released film Unplugging, written by everyone's friend, Brad Morris. Yeah. 
Great guy. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you. Thank We're you. so excited to have you. As I said, Jonah and I used to line up to watch you in ASCAT and I'm not going to make the joke again to kick people back. <laughs> <laughs> I would take on Ian Roberts every show and just <laughs> fight him because I'm stronger than Ian. Were your parents bored with your Steven Seagal watch? Were they as, because you're obsessed, Jonah, obviously, you were, you, or you were. He was. You He's, were obsessed. Yeah, yeah, which is normal. And then, but I'm just wondering, like, as you're scanning through, like, where's the episode where he does the band or whatever? Were your parents like, can we just watch like a Pixar movie or something? Or were they as curious as you two? Or I don't know if you were, Vanessa, were you curious? Not as much. Not as much. I'm just curious. Yeah. So my parents, I think, had already gone home at this point. Okay. They're pretty good sports. Vanessa, I want to say like, I you, kind of oh, not as it. much. Oh, I thought you meant as kids. No, I brought no, it up. Night. The night. No, the night yeah. you went into this deep dive. No, no, no. Okay. This night I was like, we got to see this because I thought it was so funny when Jonah started mentioning it to me. And it's so fun for us to watch TV and make fun of it. So I was like, yeah. I got my brother in town for a few nights. We got to find a great show to watch and make fun of. And so it was really thrilling for me. So yes, recently, yes, I was really into watching this. I feel like for me, it was that thing where it's like, you go back and you're like, oh, I watched this. And I was like, yeah, it's entertaining. And I'm watching it now. I'm like, I can't believe I watched this. What was wrong with me a little bit? Yeah. Do you ever have that feeling, Matt, where like things just don't age well and then you're watching it now and you're like, what's wrong with me? Sure. Well, you fall in love with stuff and then you, yeah, 100%. I understand that. I totally understand that. What do you think about like actors crossing over into music? Do you think it can work? Do you think, I mean, in this case, I don't think it works super well. I think in some cases it's worked a lot better. What are your thoughts on it? I have to say, because I'm not musical, I respect anyone who can play an instrument with some competency. I really do. So when you said like Seagal's has a band, I'm like, well, that guy's so ridiculous, but like he can play guitar. Like <laughs> I took it as a way to like shame myself. Like even that guy can play guitar. So I was like giving props, but like in terms of like celebrity bands, like it feels a little gimmicky, but again, if you have musicality, like why not? Like why not try to make a song and make a band like, you know, cause some people are good at like, I would assume like Kevin Bacon's a good musician, you know what I mean? Or all these other people that have bands, I would assume that they're pretty good musicians. So why not? And they probably love it, but I have not fallen in love with a celebrity band that I can think of, but I also respect people's, you know, ability to play music. Anybody, sure. honestly. Yeah. The only one I can think of really is Jenny Lewis. Is She was, you know, a child actor and now she's a musician. It seems like a lot of these adult, I guess, actors, when they become musicians, it's probably hard for them to tell if people are coming to their shows, you know, like if their music is good or not. Well, yeah. And you know, like the biggest version of it is truly the Blues Brothers. If you think right. about it, those guys were sketch stars on that show SNL and then they blew it up and then they were bigger than anything. Like, and they were also characters. They weren't like Jenny Lewis being herself. They were like right. characters, but then they pulled in like John Goodman. And so they like really did it well. Like I remember liking those out. They made a couple albums of Blues Brothers and I do remember really liking them. And I suspect they probably hold up because they got the best musicians in the world. Right. To, you know, join the band. Yeah. So it is interesting. Like, but that's a success story. of it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I will say the best part about the show is coming back to me is some guy kept requesting movie titles 
in between songs. <laughs> For what? Like yelling at Seagal, like do a song about yeah. this movie? No, like Above the Law or Hard to Kill. <laughs> I don't know if that's a heckle or a request, but I found that to be very funny. That's really funny. That's so that funny. That is funny. I bet that's someone saying I love you. Like, you know, like they're there because Seagal. Yeah. It's almost like, remember that movie you did? Fucking love that movie, man. <laughs> but just knowing kind of Seagal's temperament, it feels like that probably made him mad. Probably. He ignored it. He played it cool. He was playing it cool. Matt, when you were a kid, like young Matt Walsh, like Wait, did I you have one more hot take. Sure, please. Uh, <laughs> please, please. In that what I don't like about musicians, because I think a lot of people like Billy Bob and have had bands, etc. Keanu, maybe perhaps. What I don't like about actors is when, like, say you're Michael Corleone and you're Al Pacino. And you're sitting down on a couch and it's like Johnny Carson. I'm going, I'm, I'm dating it, but say it's at the peak of Godfather and you're on Johnny Carson and it's Michael Corleone and Al Pacino. And he just did a song with his band and Carson wants to ask him a question about the Godfather. And he's like, I'm not here to talk about my acting, man. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. Right. <laughs> like you have to have humility. You have to understand the reason were even slightly curious about your band is because you were Michael Corleone. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's the part I don't like. So when people, I don't have an example of someone, but where they're like, hey man, I'm here to talk about the band. I don't want to talk about the movie. It's like, come on, man, really? Yeah. There's no connection between why we love you and the reason you're parlaying that popularity into this other interest of yours. We have to be completely under your rules. Like, come on. Yeah. 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 Feels a little pretentious. Yeah. I agree. They're trading on their celebrities. So we get to ask questions about yeah. your celebrity. Totally. What if Steven Seagal had stopped between songs and like told like a story from each of those films and just been like. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. It yeah. would be so out of his character. Maybe he would have gotten a season two. If he had just been a little nicer. How many seasons were there, Jonah? I think there were two, maybe. But yeah, I don't. I was curious, Matt. I know you don't play an instrument, but like when you were a kid, did you kind of fantasize about being a rock star? Or did you ever have those moments or were you more focused on comedy or did that come later? Or what was your the young Matt Walsh dreaming about? The young Matt Walsh like dreaming about? Yeah, I think like probably in the world of athletics, like okay. playing basketball or freezing the back driveway and playing hockey or football and imagining the fourth quarter catch or, you know, points. Yeah. Probably when I was little, little and maybe like actiony stuff, like pretending you're in a war movie perhaps, but not like uh rock star fantasies. No, I, I don't think I ever had a rock star fantasy. I'm not cool enough to even dream of that. Well, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I mean, whatever. I don't mind saying I'm not cool. It doesn't really hurt me. Like, I think that's okay. Ultimately, whatever. I think fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with the toughest guy in comedy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Matt Walsh. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't 
refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Okay, and we're back. So, Matt, today, obviously, we talk about a nostalgic topic on every podcast. Can I ask some more questions? Yes, please. please. Who's the older of the two? Jonah. I'm two years older. Two years older. Two years older? Yeah. When's your birthday, Jonah? September 27th, 79. And Vanessa? November 14th, 81. Oh, September, November. Both autumn birthdays. Interesting. When is your birthday? October. 13th. Oh my God. So we're, we're September. Are you a Libra, Matt? I'm a Libra. Me too. Oh, interesting. Oh, is that right? Yep. I think I'm early or later, but yeah. Oh, wow. That means we're like fair minded and we can hear both sides. And yep. Also, we're wishy washy, perhaps, would be the downside. Yeah. So Libra is the scales. Do you feel like you are justice minded? Like you're weighing things out in your mind a lot, trying to, yeah. I do think I have a good capacity for that. I don't attribute it to my stars, but I do think I have a good capacity for that. How about you? Yeah, I think I do too. Sometimes it makes it very hard to make decisions. Yeah. You know, I'm a Scorpio, so I guess I'm only one sign away from you guys. Jonah, I thought there was a sign in between us, but I guess not. What is a Scorpio typically? I'm supposed to be like moody and mysterious. <laughs> Does that apply to you? Yeah. You know, I'm always like, I'm always like, I'm thinking of something, but you won't know what it is. <laughs> that's not, I don't think is that that's mysterious? you. Is that mysterious? I think you would like to be that way, but I'm yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. I remember like reading like in teen magazines when I was growing up, like about a Scorpio, and it's like you're like loyal, but like you're moody and you're mysterious. And it would always be like a girl kind of dressed like goth, <laughs> and I'd be like, "That's me," you know. But I don't. <laughs> did you ever go goth? No, Jonah kind of did, and I used to put Jonah embraced it a little. I guess goth is the wrong term for what Jonah uh, did. New wave or something. I was more punk. Punk. More like, yeah, same universe. What about you, Matt? I think I had like edge in the world of like, I don't know what it would be called. My rebellion was like, I didn't care. So I would wear like 
pajama bottoms and bowling <laughs> shoes to class. Do you know what I mean? And like yeah, yeah. thrift store, everything. And like, you know, untangled hair when I had hair and like all that, like just kind of didn't care, throw it together. That was sort of my aesthetic. That sounds like an awesome look. Yeah. Is that punk? I, I guess it's in the world of punk. That's kind of punk. I remember like we could get out of class when we were in high school for like on Halloween, if we dressed up to like be in a picture or something. And I remember I was wearing like huge Doc Martens camouflage pants and like a band T-shirt. That's just how I dressed. And I remember just being like, oh, well, I can leave class. And like, no one is going to say I don't look dressed up. And it worked. <laughs> That's awesome. It worked. It paid off. Totally paid off. <laughs> I bet you guys dress sort of like I bet if we compared a photo of you both in high school, you would sort of because I feel like what Matt is describing is kind of how you dress, Jonah. Yeah, a little bit. I remember I. I don't know if I had bowling shoes, but I remember really wanting them. I re- but like maybe not knowing how to get them or something. Yeah. You know, geeky slash punk would be in the world of category. Like I always wanted, I never bought it, but I always wanted a mail truck because it had the door and the driving wheel on the wrong side. Yep. So that sort of alternative stuff was always fascinating to me and it felt rebellious and different. You know, that was sort of my vibe for a long time. I really wanted a hearse and, our dad... I don't think I knew that. Yeah. We'll have to ask somebody. Our dad like knew someone who owned a funeral home or something. And I had talked about getting this used hearse. To me, I thought it would be the coolest thing ever to roll up into school in a hearse, right? Yeah. Yes. I really wanted one. And there was... <laughs> it was like a so tangential crazy. possibility for a little while. This could actually be a great segue into our topic, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is first cars. This was not my first car, but I think could have been my first car and could have Change the whole trajectory of my life if I was like the hearse guy. Well, you know, I got bought mitzvahed with Brad Bookatz, whose dad is famously Bart Bookatz of Berkowitz Cumin Funeral Homes in Cleveland. And that was going to be our hookup. <laughs> probably. Oh, the Bookatz? <laughs> yeah. The Bookatz is probably, and they're still there and have helped our family through many, you know, losses. Losses. And I bet Bart Bookatz. Bart probably has a fleet of these hearses. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably so weird if dad was like, Hey, Jonah's looking to maybe, uh, do you have any <laughs> like, used hearses? That with a lot of miles on them. That's fun, though. That's like the Ghostbusters car was a hearse, right? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was a hearse. I think so. Oh, my yeah. God. They souped it up and changed it, but it was a hearse. Big old Cadillac yeah, engine and everything, yeah. Matt, what was your first car like, speaking of cars? I think my first car was a diesel Rabbit 1982 perhaps. So imagine a two-door Volkswagen Rabbit that was diesel of all things. Wow. And I got it for like $800, which even then was cheap. And I was working summers at a place as like a teacher's aide at a school for like behavior disorder children because I was studying psychology and I thought I was going to be a psychologist. And this woman, Colette, had a car. And by the end of the summer, I bought it from her. So she was my teacher that I worked under. I remember... I went to Northern Illinois College, which is just outside of Chicago. And because it's diesel and it's so cold, you have to plug in a diesel engine at night. Otherwise, it'll freeze because there's oil in the gas. Wow. And where I lived, I lived in a house with like 10 people. It was like my senior year in college. There was no garage. There was no street parking. So I had to like 
park at a Joanne Fabrics like a block away on the main <laughs> oh <my> drag. <laughs> so they had an outdoor outlet and I would plug into an outdoor outlet. So I was like stealing power from them every night and parking my diesel rabbit in their like parking lot every night. Wow. Yeah. Matt, can you, so there was an outlet that plugged into the actual engine? Diesel cars, trucks too, have a block warmer. So Underneath the engine is literally a plug that you would plug into a wall, and then you just get an extension cord and plug that into any outlet. And what that does is it just runs current around the engine to keep the oil from slushing up or freezing. For whatever reason, that fuel has a low freezing point or high freezing point, whatever would make it hard to start. And so I never knew that. I I never knew that either. Yeah, obviously, because I never had a diesel engine. Yeah, and it was classic, like very much in keeping with the sort of like bowling shoes and not caring vibe. I remember I lost my gas cap and then I just had a sock and I twist up a sock and I shoved it in. <laughs> she was so Jonah. And my dad or my grand my grandpa was like, what are you doing? That that's like a rolling Molotov cocktail, man. Like that's insane. He's like, here's some money. Go buy a gas cap now. Because I left it on the gas tank somewhere when I was filling it up. Sure. That's the other thing with diesel. You never know where you're going to get diesel from. It's not as common. So that was like a whole world I never really paid attention to until I had a diesel car. And then I remember the window was broken for a long time. So I never fixed it. So it was like this much down. It was always cold. So it was basically like snow in the car. And I had a sock for a gas tank. It was like totally like crazy town times. This is the most Jonah thing I've ever heard. Like, I love it. Very similar. I could see this. Happen. Our parents had a rabbit. Vanessa, do you remember that orange rabbit? It's the first car I can remember our parents had when we were really young. So you must have been very young. I think I remember it. I think I must have been too young. They had an orange one. It was right when we moved to to the house we grew up in. Yeah. And I remember like when they sold it, the person driving it away. And I was like so upset because I love the car. That was so cool because it was like fluorescent orange. Yeah. This was like a fluorescent green. It had like a okay. kind of a seafoam fluorescent green color. Wow. But Volkswagen had those colors and they're pretty simple boxy cars. And mine was a stick and it got crazy mileage. Like it got like 60 miles of the gallon or something. I don't know why, but. Wow. So, and then I ended up crashing it, <laughs> <laughs> but I fixed it. I crashed it into like a concrete wall because I had to pull over. I had too many drinks one night and I pulled over. I'm like, this is not good. So I got off the highway, but I got off too quick and I hit a curb and I crashed it. Oh man. But nobody got, nobody got. Oh wow. How did you feel about the two door? Did you like it? Did you, I've never had a two door car. I guess it was kind of perfect. Even though like I would put three full-size friends in the back. We did a road trip from Northern to U of I in that car. And there was always something wrong with that car. Like I said, the window, et cetera. So like we were driving down and we ran to a rest stop and then we all got back in the car. But one of my friends thought it'd be funny. So he pulled a corn stalk out of the field. He pinned it under my windshield wiper. You know what I mean? And then we started driving. I'm like, that's annoying. Uh... I turned the windshield wipers on to see if it would fall off and it wouldn't fall off. So then Do you remember what cigarette windows are? They're the triangle windows. So you have like a square window. Of course, it was hand cranked. Yeah. Okay. And then in front of that was a triangle window that you could just swivel out and they called it a cigarette window. Okay. Okay. So I figured, well, I'll reach out the cigarette window and I'll grab the corn, you know, but when I opened the cigarette window, it just fell out and shattered on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) And we just kept rolling. So it was like a car that had many lives. (laughs) and it felt very disposable and it was very much in keeping with I don't care attitude (laughs) and uh, yeah 
It had a lot of lives, though. That's incredible. <laughs> but I get your nostalgia for your rabbit because I eventually sold it to this guy, Bob Basta, who was dating my old girlfriend. He was a good guy. And I'm like, sure, I'll give it to you for like whatever. I don't even know what I sold it for. And he drove it away because it was sitting in our backyard for a while. I wasn't even using it. It's incredible that you were able to sell it. I know. I think it was literally $200 or $300 or something. The thing about diesel engines is they do run forever. Like they're so sturdy. Got it. So the thing I had to fix when I crashed into a curb was mostly like exterior stuff. Like the engine was a monster and it ran forever and it got really good mileage. So I think he got a, a lot of use out of it. Yeah. And then the other car it makes me think of is when I drove like UCB to New York in 1996. I had a Volkswagen Vanagon, which is one of those pop-up campers. Wow. That's like the first car I ever bought when I had money. Like I had a real job for a while. It was kind of like, I could get anything, you know what I mean? Kind of like the hearse. Like if I had any kind of money, what kind of car would I get? Sure. So the first car when I had real money was a pop-up camper van. Eventually drove that to New York and it died on the way there. But, wow. And that's right before... I started touring with Second City because I know you did Second City. Yeah. Then I went back to having no money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was like, you had a car when you were touring? No, with this Second is like I had a real job for like a year. I kind of kept doing comedy at night, but I had a real job working for my dad's business. So I saved up a fair amount of money. And my brother's like, you should get a real car, man. Like, I don't even know what I was driving. Probably something rusty Nova. So the best car I could think of was like, Oh my God, I saw it. I'm like, I bought it. Then when I started working at Second City, I could never fix it because I didn't have any money. And when I drove it out to New York, it broke down eventually. Well, I feel like you've had some really incredible cars. And Jonah, I don't mean to keep comparing you guys. It just is really shocking how you guys just have a lot in common. And Jonah, a lot of Volkswagens in our family as well. well I had a Volkswagen that met an untimely end as well. Oh, Really untimely, yeah. Yeah. My middle name is Matthew. I feel like we have a lot of connections yeah. here, Matt. Oh, wow. Give me the untimely ending of the Volkswagen. Well, I had this Volkswagen. <laughs> it was a Jetta. I believe it was probably early 90s. It had been our mom's, I think. It had been our mom's. And I had covered the back in stickers. Oh, fun. Like tons of stickers, but mostly band related. And I'm driving one night and it's me and I think Arthur and this guy, Eric, and maybe our friend Brian. And, and we're driving and all of a sudden the steering wheel kind of locks up. Ah! It's hard for me to turn it. And like for some reason, when we grew up, there were like tons of traffic circles. So many. So I'm driving and I'm, I'm it's really hard for me to get around these circles. And we finally get to I think this guy Eric's house. We pull in the driveway and the engine is kind of smoking or something. And this is where it gets really weird. Somehow I think the car is going to explode. <laughs> I'm thinking. You're afraid. I'm afraid. I'm like, oh my God, the car is going to explode in this guy's driveway. We're all like, this is going to be. So we pop the hood. It's smoking. One of our friends grabs a block of ice and we decide we should throw this ice at the engine. And I, I can't remember <laughs> whose idea it was. Were you guys drinking? That seems like a terrible idea. I know, I know. So we're thinking this will cool off the engine. Anyway, so someone throws this block of ice at the engine. I don't remember what happens, but eventually I find out, okay, the engine block is cracked now. The engine itself, I guess, was okay. But now repairing this engine block is like $2,000, like more expensive than the car is worth. And I remember kind of like, <laughs> oh, I should maybe be mad at this guy who did this, but I think we're on the same. And then I feel like two weeks later, it was like, we're friends again. It was like, you know, no big deal. But I, I didn't have a car for a while. I remember just being 
being kind of upset about that. But I, I don't, Vanessa, do you remember this? Yes, I totally remember. I mean, you're being nice. It was definitely Arthur who did it. And uh, <laughs> you don't like Arthur, Vanessa. You don't like Arthur. <laughs> no, I just remember <laughs> Arthur through the ice. So I'm, he threw I'm not the ice, to... but I think it was in a moment of panic. I've, yeah, yeah. I, I think he was, as you all were, trying to save your car from exploding yeah. and save your lives, you know, more important. <laughs> but it is really funny that you guys did that. And then I guess that's when you got Grandma Marge's Honda, right? Then I got a Honda Accord. Yeah. A year nice. later or something. I got a lot of hand-me-down cars. Yeah. You always drove these sort of, I wouldn't say necessarily like feminine cars, but you always took these cars that were kind of like well-kept by either our mom or our grandma. And then you would completely cover the backs in band stickers and make them look like really different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these cars had like second wives as like these kind of punk. Put some subwoofers in the back, blast some misfits, like get it. Jonah going. used to drive me to school and I was like a really good student and Jonah would drive to school and we'd have like the windows open and he'd be like blasting this punk music. And it was like my favorite part of the day <laughs> because uh... like I was so not like that. And it would be so cool to like show up to school like that. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I'm just showing up to school <laughs> with my brother who's blasting no effects or whatever. And Vanessa recently got her first car in many years. I recently, I didn't get a, my first car until I moved to L.A. a few years ago. Really? Yes. You never had one in Ohio? Or no, I never had one in Ohio. I would borrow our parents' cars, you know, usually borrow my mom's car. So I was really used to driving Corollas or Camrys. That's You never had a car? How come I had a car? Interesting. I never had a car. Well, when there were four of us at home, it was helpful. Like We'd rotate. Because mom and dad would use theirs to go to work. So we would kind of like share a third car, but it would sort of be your car. And then once you went to college, we didn't necessarily need to have an extra car as much. So yeah, I never had a car. I would just borrow one of our parents' cars. And so I got... My first car I bought, again, a few years ago. So once I had money to buy a car, it wasn't like a tent. What did you get, Matt? A camper top, like the camper top. Camper top. Yeah, it was a Tesla. It's the Tesla Model 3. Nice. I talk about it so much. You know, do I wish the founder wasn't kind of, you know. <laughs> Seagal-esque. Yeah, not so. <laughs> but what was really crazy is that, you know, when I was in Cleveland growing up, like, I'd have to drive most places, but like I went to college in Philadelphia. I never drove. I didn't have a car there. Then I moved to Chicago. I didn't have a car in Chicago. Then I moved to New York. I didn't have a car in New York. So like moving to LA was like the first time I needed to drive places really since high school. And so I really took to Tesla very easily because I think, you know, the self-driving stuff, like it drives you, especially when you're on the freeway and stuff, it can just sort of like drive you and you have your hands on the steering wheel and stuff, but it's sort of like doing the whole thing. And I think for people who are used to driving normal cars where they're in control, mm -hmm. that's like very scary. It's like a thing to get used to. But for me, I was like, this is great. It can just drive me. <laughs> and a lot of my friends would be like, isn't this scary for you? Because it, sometimes it like doesn't totally sense what's going on. And kind of like, but I'd be like, it's good. It's fine. It knows what it's doing. And so I probably put <laughs> too much trust in my car. But the thing that I also really love about a Tesla is that I don't have to go to the gas station. Yeah, sure. Because whenever I would go to gas stations, I would realize I would get a lot of anxiety because I'd be like, what side is the gas thing on? And I have to 
pull into this thing and people would always be in bad moods and stuff. And now they're really in bad moods. You know, the price of gas. That's good stand up right there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Save that for your show. And just working out my set. It's about Elon and just like gas stations. And I go, have you ever seen him in a good mood at a gas station? Okay. Uh, first of all, do you see what they're charging for a, a can of Coke these days? You got to say, especially with the price of gas. <laughs> yeah. That's really the whole fun. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, because I mean, everyone can relate to that, Vanessa. <laughs> totally. <laughs> this guy's honking at me. I'm like, is he honking at me or is he honking at this whole system? <laughs> you guys are being so supportive of my gas station material. Well, I have an electric car too. I have the Kia Nero. Oh, great. Okay. Same thing. I love it and I love not going to a gas station and it's the best. It's the best, isn't it? It's so nice to not have to go to a gas station. Like I have the smallest and cheapest Tesla and it still was like really a big car to me because I was used to driving, which I guess they're bigger now, but at the time in the 90s, Toyota Corollas were so small and I was like, this Tesla's too big for me. I think some people think it's like cool to have a big car and like, oh, yeah. you know, but I'm always like, I want to be in the tiniest car so that I can park easily, etc. I had a, a Camry that when I started dating Morgan, my wife, she had the Camry. And then when we moved in together, she got a good car. We had a couple kids by that point and I kept her Camry and I loved it because it had like 235,000 miles on it, which is amazing. Like it, those things can run forever. And at our school, our little preschool, everybody had like, you know, Teslas and BMWs, and, you know, nice cars in LA are very common. And I had the shittiest car at our preschool, but I was so proud of it. It was kind of like putting stickers on it. You know, yeah. I felt very rebellious at our little preschool and Morgan's like, you have to get it. And it was a two door too. It was a heavy two door. So I had to let two little kids out of the back. The seats were a little ripped, but I loved I would look at that thing. I'm like, this thing has 235,000 miles on it. This thing's amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And then eventually Morgan's like, we got to get a, we got to get a better car. So we did. We always, I don't know if you remember this, Jonah, growing up, we had like one kind of nice car and one less nice car. Yeah, I do remember that. I also remember our dad got a truck. Yeah, Ooh. he got a pickup truck. At one point, like kind of recent, like I remember getting picked up from the airport and then having to get in that weird like backseat that isn't really a backseat with like my stuff. Yeah. I want to say like our mom hated it. And... Well, it was stick shift too, I think. Oh, so it, it was like okay. he was the only wow. one who could drive it. But I also want to say maybe they weren't allowed to park it outside of their, I think their condo had some weird rules about trucks. Yeah, they had to park it in the garage. Which is like, I find these homeowner rules to be insane. I can't imagine buying a house and then having someone tell me where I can park my car. You know what I'm saying, Matt? Because the truck is unsightly or something? Yeah, it was unsightly or wasn't up to their standards of their committee. Wow. Yeah. That is a weird rule. I find that very strange. I find it strange too. There are kind of a lot of rules where they live. They live in this like condo community with all of these beautiful man-made lakes. <laughs> My mom lives in one of those. Yeah. Have you ever lived in a uh, like a homeowner HOA type place? No, I have never lived in one of those places. No. Okay. I got really into, and this is like a common thing in the podcast is me just researching stuff that doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> and when I was buying my house, I got really into this site, City Data, which is people just posting stuff about real estate. And these people post all of these complaints about their homeowners associations. And I would read them. I would just be like, I'm home from work. I'm just going to read about home. But I mean, they have crazy demands and, you know, you can't 
plant a tree. You can't paint your house a certain color. You can't. I mean, it's they can be really intense. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I've had friends who like want to run to be like the, you know, on the the board board or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a whole. I think the power can really go to people's heads. I think so, too. Yeah. I don't think I could handle that if people were like. I don't know. I would be frustrated if I had a pickup truck and they're telling me I got to park it underneath or whatever. Like, yeah, it's not like you're having like a a janky RV that with like you're living out of in the parking lot. It's like a yeah. Pickups are nice. They're expensive. Yeah, they are expensive. Like, what's I don't get what is the aesthetic? Is it like we don't want anyone thinking a cowboy lives here? Like, what are they? <laughs> what does a pickup represent? It doesn't represent poverty, right? They're expensive. They're expensive. I don't know. I mean, it's like, I think the argument for them, based on all my research, which is way too much research for someone that is not connected to this at all, is like if the neighbor next to his house is falling apart or it's unsightly, it's bringing down, there's like standards and that, you know, yeah, to me, it does not appeal. Yeah. It's an inconsistent argument because pickups are nice. I agree with you on the pickup thing. And the big controversy at our parents' HOA was something with like the lights the street lamps, they wanted to leave the street lamps on certain amount of hours and they wanted to change it and it was going to be more expensive. I mean, it's like every decision just seems like a huge, yeah, huge ordeal. Yeah. The one thing I want, like my mom lives in one of those and I always want her to have a dog. Yeah. But her building, for some reason, can't have dogs. Really? There's a couple buildings where people have pets or they're sneaking pets or you know what I mean? But yeah. Sure. Definitely her building. You can't have a pet. And I'm like, that's terrible. Like, I wish that would change for her. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, maybe we can work on that. Maybe we can. Maybe I'll look into it. If I need help, <laughs> I'll, I'll use your knowledge of HOA. Yeah, definitely. Feel free to contact me. Yeah, you'll be my legal. Yeah. I'm so glad we figured that out. We're going to take a quick commercial <laughs> break and we'll be right back with Matt Walsh. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Okay, and we're back. Now, Matt, we've had a lot of fun with you today. <laughs> and to keep that fun going, we'd like to play a game with you now called Yes slash No Nostalgia. So we're going to bring up nostalgic products, shows, etc. that are making a comeback. And if you're into them, you can give them a yes nostalgia. Yes nostalgia. And if you're not into them, you can give them a no nostalgia. No nostalgia. Do you get it? It's kind of a play on words. So. Can I ask for... An example sentence or... Um... So if I said they're bringing back a certain kind of socks or something, that's not one of our topics today. You could say, I'll give that a yes nostalgia. We'll read an article about it. We'll discuss it. And then at the end, we'll say, Matt, yes nostalgia or no nostalgia? What's your vote? Got it. Yeah. Jonah kind of explained it better than me. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I'm caught up. All right. I'm going to kick us off. Okay. If you don't mind, Vanessa. Yes. I don't know why I'm so excited about this topic, but I am. This was just announced the return of frosted grape Pop-Tarts. And I guess that it was one of their original flavors in 1967, grape jelly with white icing and a little crunchlets for extra pop. I guess this flavor, Matt, I don't know how familiar you are with the Pop-Tarts flavors. This one's been on again, off again. According to this article in Food & Wine, they're brought back limited time 2014, then completely discontinued in the 2017. And it, apparently this flavor had its heyday in the 90s. And I just want to read this quote. <laughs> Jonah. I feel like these people have these very important jobs who work for these companies and then they have to give quotes about Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and I just find this hilarious. So this is Heidi Ray, the senior director of marketing, I guess at Kellogg's, says, at Pop-Tarts, we know what our fans want. Frosted Grape has been among the top flavors fans have been asking us to bring back. So we could not be more stoked to finally bring back this Pop-Tarts goat, grapest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually really like this, Heidi Ray, because she's not take some of the time these people sound so serious. Yeah. I appreciate the pun. I like it. And these are rolling out starting this month in Walmart. And then they're going to be going nationwide retail price. $3.19. What do we think about this one? Hard nostalgia. Hard nostalgia. Wow. Because I'm not a grape person at all. Grape soda. Okay. Grape flavorings. Grape Kool-Aid. Grape. Like I'll have a grape jelly on a sandwich for whatever reason. And the reason is the synthetic grapes usually hit my palate as way too sweet. They never dial it in correctly. Like jellies, I feel like they get it. Yeah feels like fruit. It feels like it's from the original source. But when you get into Pop-Tart land, it's all like space age technology and synthetics. And it's just like cotton candy sweet. I just can't take it. Yeah. How do you feel about just a red or green grape on its own? Like a, a legitimate, like a regular grape? Great I like a nice grape, little cheese, little wine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm in. 
green grapes, I'm in. Yeah. Vanessa, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Well, look, I'm nostalgic yes, for this because recently when we were filming my show, there were Pop-Tarts on set. And I thought I hadn't eaten a Pop-Tart since I was a kid, maybe college. And I was like, first of all, Pop-Tarts are so good. Guess what? You don't even have to heat them up. They're great cold. I know we're talking about a specific kind of Pop-Tart though. And I am a great person. I have to say like, I like grape Jolly Ranchers. I like all the grape stuff. I've never thought of it until today, but I really am a person who likes grape artificial flavoring. So I'm going to give it a yes, Stalgia, but respecting that you gave it a no, Matt. Jonah? (laughs) Well, this is disappointing. I feel like I have everything in common with Jonah and nothing in common with Vanessa. I know. Well, let's see what Jonah said. I do love a Pop-Tart. I do love cherry. I'll eat a cherry Pop-Tart because it does feel like it's in the world of fruit and even a blueberry. I do love Pop-Tarts and I do agree they're great raw. Like you don't need They're to toast so, it. You don't need to toast it. Toast good too, but you don't need to. Don't need to. Jonah, what do you... I'm going to also give this a nostalgia. I knew it. I'm not a Pop-Tart kind of guy. I agree with what Matt says about the artificial grape being incredibly sweet. And just Pop-Tarts are just something that just are not on my radar. I will say what I do like, and I don't know if you, either of you have tried these, are... Have you had these cotton candy flavored grapes? They're real grapes, but they're like called cotton candy grapes. Oh, I've right. I've heard of them. They really taste like cotton candy, but it's like a kind of a subtle taste and they are actual fruit. Those, I think, are pretty good. That's about as crazy as I can get. That's probably something you would like, Matt. You probably would like that kind of... I don't like cotton candy. Like, that's too sweet. Okay. I always have this conversation with my kids. My kids love cotton candy. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like cotton candy is a disaster. This is almost hard to explain. It's almost like the essence of cotton candy, but in a grape. I would try it because it's coming from fruit. Yeah. Yeah. I will also say I recently tried Pop-Tarts. They have Pop-Tarts that come in like a bag with like mini Pop-Tarts. They're almost (laughs) like little cookies. Too good. Of course. That's genius. Can I say this though? They're not as good as real Pop-Tarts because you can't get that much stuff in them. You know what I mean? All right. Not enough filling. Not enough filling. Yeah. It's not about the crust either. Like Pop-Tarts are about that filling. Yeah, exactly. And the crispy frosting. Yeah. Do all Pop-Tarts have frosting or only some of them? Mm. I know what you're saying, Jonah, because there's like a cinnamon sugar one that you're like, maybe that. Right. I think even that has some form of frosting on it. Yeah. Maybe even if it's translucent. I think a frosting is always on a Pop-Tart. I think so. Okay. Or it should be. Should be. (laughs) Now, here comes the second one. Matt, I want to say 90s beauty trends are set to make a huge comeback. And this article says the 90s isn't just back in fashion. It's also making a comeback in beauty. That's right. This year, according to L'Officiel, which I don't know if I trust this publication that much because they've spelled a lot of people's names wrong, I'm noticing. But we're returning to trends like pencil thin brows, frosted eyeshadow, heavy lip liner, space buns, and claw clips. While you're at it, you can pull out your old flavored lip glosses and butterfly clips too. You could even revive those two thin strips of hair pulled from your ponytail. Soon enough, you'll be channeling, and they spelled channeling wrong, your favorite 90s stars like Jennifer Aniston spelled wrong, Drew Barrymore, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Winona Ryder. Okay, now, according to Laura to Power, a brow artist at Benefit, the skinny brow is indeed back. So that's the main thing. Now, she says the 2022 version is fuller than the infamous 90s brow. So I guess what I want to kind of whittle this down to one thing, 90s trends are back. But the biggest trend that seems like is back is these skinny brows that we used to have in the 90s. Now, I don't know if either of you paid that close of attention to this, but in the 90s, women would like pluck their eyebrows super thin and they'd like really fill them in. 
And it's much more common these days to have a fuller eyebrow. Some women pluck their eyebrows so much in the 90s that they never came back. Haunting. So I just am curious, Matt, what do you think about this trend coming back of the skinny brow? I know this is probably a lot. huge news. <laughs> I have a lot to ask about this. So yeah, I didn't notice it. Like you said, you guys probably didn't notice it. I don't know that I noticed okay. the brow trend when I was living in the 90s. Like, I like attractive women, but I don't think the brow is where I'm focusing myself. But I'm sure I did notice unconsciously. Yes. And when you say fill in, do you mean just darken it with mascara? With a brow pencil. Brow pencil, sorry. That's brow, the there's right a word. brow pencil. And you would just have these like really Sharp. skinny lines. It was like a real 90s thing. I was going to say my mom, unfortunately, I think she plucked her eyebrows too much and they didn't come back. Yeah. I don't know when, but it was like 50s or 60s when she did it. It was on trend. People still do it, but it was like really in the 90s, they were like so skinny. And, you know, now people, because I think you're right, like for decades have plucked their brows a lot. Now you can do this thing called microneedling, which is basically getting tattoos of brows on your brow line. And a lot of people, I think, who lost their brows in the 90s or before or after do that or have just naturally lost their brows. But like as a woman, who wear, you wear makeup, right? Obviously. I sure do. I mean, I'm not wearing any right now. <laughs> and you, you never have to. Back to my stand-up. And I apologize. <laughs> Does like a brow pull your eyes out? Like what exactly? What does a brow do for a face? Here's what I will say. When you were saying like, I've never noticed people's brow- brows really do change people's faces. When you put makeup on, like one of the things you're taught is like brows are huge. And some people are more or less believers of that. But I do think a strong brow can really make a face. Like as an actor, like we are comedians, right? So our brows tell jokes, basically. Yeah. Like our reactions tell jokes. So I do like when I get makeup, I have thin eyebrows. So I'm like, make sure you extend it a little or just like yeah. cover the wispies so it looks like I have a fuller end. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that to me is like, so my jokes register or like, I don't necessarily think it makes me more pretty. I just think like it helps me tell, you know, reactions, right? I think from now on or not now on, but maybe today you could just pay attention to like your wife's brows, pay attention to like women's brows that you see in ads and stuff. Like people really pay like a lot of attention to like making their brows look perfect. But my question for you then is if you have a bushy brow versus a slender brow, but you're still having a brow. Yeah. What's the benefit of bushy versus thin or thin versus like what what is it doing to your eyes that's a great question i don't really know and i'm sure if i was like a makeup artist or something i'm sure they know more in general what they do but kind of depending i think on your face shape you know like your hair type and all that kind of stuff like i think it can change the way your face looks a little bit like if you think about like gwen stefani in the 90s do you remember she had like these really skinny brows with like a lot of like white highlighter under them, mm-hmm. like a lot of white eyeshadow. Like that was like a very 90s look. It's sort of like a trend thing too. It's like, it was cooler now to have like thicker brows that goes in and out of fashion, like what kind of brows to have too. So part of it is like, what's the most flattering to your face? But part of it is fashion. Well, my question and Matt, like if you cut your eyebrows, they don't grow back or they do grow back? Like if you went from thick to thin, then are you just, can you go back to thick or is that kind of it? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but it seems like if you're constantly like using a depilatory and removing things from your face, I think your face figures out like, oh, evolution takes place. And they're like, oh, maybe we don't need these hairs anymore. Yeah. 
Got it. It's interesting because it doesn't happen like with other, you know, you can cut your hair, you can shave and it'll grow back. It's interesting. But we're not pulling the follicle up. Right. We're plucking. That's true. That's true. When you pluck, you're pulling the whole tree. Okay. And some people have successfully done that. Like some people had skinny brows in the 90s and they have thicker brows now because they just grew them back. Got it. But the trend is back. And I got to ask you, Matt, yes or nostalgia? Wow. This is a really tough one. I'm looking at a picture of Gwen Stefani. So I guess I'm going to say... Uh, can I pass until Jonah goes? Yeah, Jonah, what do you say? <laughs> What's funny is like, I was like, I don't care. I'll probably just say whatever Matt says. <laughs> sure, I'll say yes. I mean, to me, I don't really notice brows that much or maybe I do subconsciously. It's not something I'm hyper aware of. So if people want to, do that. It to me it doesn't really affect me. Why not? Sure. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with Jonah because we're identical. We we have the same. Yes. I'm so much more like Jonah than you, Vanessa. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to say with the caveat that like for all your listener ladies out there, you all look great. So you don't need to do anything if you don't want to. Oh. Yes. And I feel like I have so much in common with Matt, which is weird because me and Vanessa have the same DNA. Yes. <laughs> That's true. And I'm going to give it a nostalgia okay. because I like to kind of go counter to what you two do. But also because I feel like once they're gone, it's hard to get them back. You know, you never know. And kind of a harsh look to me. But maybe I'll change my mind if I see it in a lot of print ads, etc. Now, Jonah, would you like to give our last one? Yes. So our last one is, yeah, why don't you introduce it? Okay. The Quantum Leap reboot has been picked up by NBC. They're bringing back the popular 1990s sci-fi drama, which stars Raymond Lee. Reported by Deadline. So this is in the trades. In the trades. There's a first look photo, which I guess means like, you two are actors. That's like a trade term, I guess, where it's like, this is like the first image of this thing. This proves it exists. Yeah. And it's going to take place... In modern day, so present day, it's been 30 years since Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. Now a new team has been assembled to restart the project in hopes of understanding the mysteries behind the machine and the man who created it. Matt, what are your thoughts on the Quantum Leap reboot? I just pulled up a picture. I think I like this guy. Okay. Raymond Lee. Okay. I don't know what I've seen him in, but I feel like I have seen him in stuff. I do like the Quantum Leap engine. I did like that show. I think it's a solid engine to go into different worlds and figure out what you got to fix. Yeah. And I'm on board. Like, yes, nostalgia. And Matt, you're recently on a high-profile reboot yourself, The Connors. I was. Yes. What was sort of that? Because these reboots can be sort of hit or miss. That seems to be a well-received one. What's it like going into like a reboot or what's it like going into a show you watched when you were younger and then all of a sudden being with the actors? Is that surreal? Is that exciting? It was exciting. I think similarly... Maybe to your job at SNL, Vanessa, is you're going into a place that's revered and it's hallowed ground. So I went into oh, yeah. that stage and they have that kitchen that was from Roseanne and they have that couch. And I took a picture of it on the phone and I'm like, this is crazy. And then the people who've been playing those roles for like 30 years on and off, obviously they went away and came back. They're there. So I felt this incredible reverence not to screw it up. It created a lot of anxiety as an actor for me, actually, to go into that. I felt very nervous and like reverential, sort of like, wow, 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 this is crazy. This show's been around forever. But I did enjoy it. Like, I liked the stuff I got to do, but it made me anxious to be inside something that felt like I grew up with and I didn't want to screw it up or I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. But so you're into this reboot and who knows, maybe you'll come 
Do Steven Seagal esque martial arts <laughs> on it? Maybe <laughs> on Quantum Leap. I'm sorry, I can't drop this bit on Quantum Leap. Yeah, maybe they'll stop me from getting in the car because the cops hate when I get in the car, <laughs> and that'll save the day. Right. So I'll be Steven right, Seagal right. getting ready to go ride along on patrol or whatever, and then Quantum Leap guy Raymond Lee comes in and says, "Hey, man." Not today. Not today, man. And it saves somebody's life somehow. Well, Jonah, are you, what do you think? Is this a yes or a no for you? I'm conflicted about this one. I really did like Quantum Leap as a kid. I thought it was a cool premise for a show. Yeah. I also think maybe, you know, just a memo to Hollywood, like. Make new stuff. Get some original ideas. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, there's just so much of this kind of regurgitation from the past. And to me, it seems like a bit like, and I've heard someone talk about it. I think it's like the studios are like, well, People like this originally. It has a better chance of succeeding. People are familiar with it. But Matt says this actor is good. I trust Matt's opinion 100%. So I think if the casting's right, the concept I like, uh, why not? I mean, it, I like the original. I feel like it could it could work. The technology might be better now. Like the effects might be better. Right. I would probably watch it. I would probably check it out. I'll give it a yes, Dalja. Vanessa, what about you? For the first time, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to give this a yes, Dalja. I'm excited to see what they do with it. I was pretty young when Quantum Leap was on. I mean, I guess the repeats used to play when I was in high school and stuff, but I always really liked it. I'm going to take the leap. Okay, final stand-up bit of this one. <laughs> I'm going to take a leap into the show. Hopefully, I don't have to go through time to enjoy this one. Or... Maybe go back to a price where there's cheaper gas prices, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only Quantum Leap I want to make is to pre-inflation. <laughs> Fill up your gas tank, you know, in the 70s and then maybe leap back to... I think it's Quantum Leap guys on to something. If this show isn't good, it's more like Quantum Sleep, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. If people be so bored, they'll be Quantum Sleeping. Uh, yeah. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going back in time because I was asleep? <laughs> Well, on that note, Matt, we wanted to thank you so much for being such a great sport and coming on the podcast. Matt, where can people find you? What are you promoting? Uh, you know, I was looking at your IMDb. You got so many projects all the time. You're such a busy actor, comedian. What do you want to promote? Where can people find out more about Matt Walsh? I just did a movie called Unplugging that's on demand with Eva Longoria that's funny that I wrote with Brad Morris. And then I have a podcast like everyone. We have a rewatch podcast. Note to Hollywood, we don't need any more rewatch podcasts. <laughs> but it's with Tim Simons from Veep, and it's called Second in Command. And that's been really fun to like have people, you know, everyone from Tony to Julia to Sam Richardson come through and we talk about episodes. And didn't Tim Simons play Jonah? Yeah. Weirdly, and yeah, there's a connection. Not a lot You're of right. Jonah. I got to check out that podcast. What incredible casting. And I can't, yeah, it's must be amazing. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't probably help the name, right? Because he's kind of a tool. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. There aren't a ton of us, but there's more. There's been more and more. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully people know other Jonas. Hopefully people know other yeah. Jonas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird? Where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like first cars. Thanks so much, Matt. It was such a pleasure having Thanks you. Thanks so much, Matt. This, this was, was so really great. Fun. Thank you for having me. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.